Most people in the age and the day that we live in don't understand love, do they? To this age, if you love them, you do what they want you to do. And you don't cross them and you don't say anything against whatever it is they believe. And then people consider that love. That's not the real love of God, though. Amen. Real love, real love can only come from Him. Aren't you glad you can love tonight like God can? God bless you. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians, if you would, chapter 1, verse 3. Now, God love is certainly different now than human love. People look at God and they say that God loves them and they kind of compare it to human parental love, which will keep a child and spare a child from any trials, tests, correction, and so on. But the real love of God allows us to be tested almost, almost to the breaking point. Folks don't understand that kind of love. They think it's a love that just keeps everything away from you. Everything. That's not the love of God, though. Myself, I don't want to be the kind of Christian that God has to keep everything away from me. And say, angels, watch Donnie. He's, you know, I mean, he's, he's, he's tender. You know, don't, don't let him be tried now. And he's, he's a baby, really. You know, Donnie's just, no, no. I don't want to be that kind of person. Now, I ain't got my hand raised up and not looking for hard times. You don't, you don't find me at the front of that line. But I don't want to be a baby neither. Amen. God bless you. Let's read together. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. Now remember that word aboundeth is as going from a, from a tiny stage of a bud to a bloom to a full blossom. So it unveils itself slowly, slowly, slowly. That's the way comfort comes sometimes. That's the way consolation comes. And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. Now, most of us will never have to suffer quite in this capacity. Paul is actually suffering for the church. Remember, he's the church age messenger. We will never have to do that. Now, many of you may have to suffer for a family member or, you know, someone like that. But as far as in this category of suffering, 
We will never have to go through that. Brother Branham suffered for us as the messenger of this age. He went through many, many things on our behalf that he would have never had to went through had he not been a prophet. I go through things on your behalf. You go through things on my behalf, right? Because of our position where God places us. Or oh, if we could just find that and be happy there, wouldn't we be something? How many like to be remembered tonight as we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you for your blessings tonight, Lord, the opportunity to be able to assemble ourselves together again on Wednesday night. Thank you so much for church, Lord. We ask that you would just speak to us tonight once again from your word. Help us, Father, to be able to gain another aspect of this great, great church of yours, which you established on Pentecost, which dates from Pentecost to the rapture. Help us to see, Father, our time. May we be able to find our position, not only in the slot of time, but in the body of Christ, that we would be able to go through the things that you give to us as your people. We would be able to behave ourselves as it is in a manner that is pleasing to you. Speak to us tonight from your word, Father. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we ask it. Amen. God bless you, saints. You may be seated. Let's turn back, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 11, where we closed out last Wednesday night. <clears throat> I want to speak to you again on the church and troubles and the church and trials and the church and suffering. And keep this in mind that as we're looking at Paul, that the majority of the Christians in that day, when they would read about this, no doubt they must have felt somewhat as we felt last Wednesday night and maybe again tonight that we think, how in the world was this man able to go through what he did, suffer what he did, all of the, the constant things in his own body, of the, the persecution, the difficulty of the people, of the perils of the sea and the deep, being beat by rods, by stripes, all that he went through, plus the daily load of the churches, and then the opportunity, of course, of being caught up into heavenly places, then having to suffer because of God allowing him to see such great depths and understanding. It would seem as if though every avenue of the man's life was covered with such suffering and difficulty, and he himself even goes to the place that he said he was almost to death. Now, you know, we realize that for many of us as Gentiles, we will never go this way. We will live our lives as Christians. We will do what God's calls us to do. And God may allow Satan to come at the final days of our life, whatever that is. And Satan still has the last straw. Remember when it comes to removing you from this life, and that is through the channel of death. To some, it will be a quick way. To others, it may be a, a disease that lasts for months. It may be long for years, but he will have that say as far as being able to touch you when it comes to death. But when it comes to what we see about Paul, we see a supernatural orchestration of the way God was taking these trials and tests, and we even find him saying in Philippians that when he went through certain things, that because of his stripes and his tumults and the things that he went through, it even caused talk 
in the palace. So there was talk in the palace. Now, can you imagine? In the palace of the Roman emperor, there was talk of how Paul suffered for the glory of God. So we see that God then had a great outworking in the life of this man. Now, for most of us, it will never reach that degree. But yet for Paul, because he was such a figure that God was using in such a great way. So if he's going to speak in a public way and his words will have great behalf, uh, you know, different places around the world and on down through time as we just read, even so his sufferings also will be so pronounced and so profound that they will be heard of in the local assemblies. They will be heard of and read about in the different churches, Thessalonica, Ephesus, the different places, and also even caught back and they will be talked about in the palace. Now remember that God had some seed that had got converted inside the palace. So there was seed of God working on the inside of the palace so they would talk about it and maybe they was overheard talking about it. There were slaves and servants and, and they were serving the people in the palace and God allowed that. God orchestrated it. Now mine and yours more than likely will never be that way. But how do we know that God will not allow your tests and your trials and my tests and my trials to be talked about by other people that we don't even have a clue and yet it is bringing glory to the kingdom of God for such a thing. And this is why that we should always remember not only in the way that we conduct our business or the way that we conduct our affairs that we want to be Christians but in the way that we are tried and in the way that we are tested and how we handle that and how our attitude is projected before other people because there may be people not so much in the palace or the White House or Congress or Senate but maybe somebody that's uh, you don't even know who they are but they know about you because somebody heard them tell that you're going through this tremendous trial and this test and they were sharing your perseverance and your patience and your faith and they're saying wow how can a person and go through that and be able to have such an attitude. I don't even know those people, but I've heard people talk about what a great attitude that they have. Can you imagine? Oh, I'd never be able to do that. I go through the least little thing and I get so tore up. Boy, they must really be something. You see, God's outworking even of our trials can be way beyond what we comprehend. We think, well, it's just me and if I get through this little test, oh, praise God, I'll be so happy. It may be affecting many more lives than what we realize. Now watch, let's pick Paul up again now. And he says, even unto this present hour, we both hunger and thirst and are naked and are buffeted and have no certain dwelling place and labor working with our own hands being reviled we bless listen now being persecuted we suffer it so even if Facebook would have been there and Paul would have been persecuted and blasted and all that Paul wouldn't have got on there and defended himself and Paul would not have gone and made such a great big old thing out of it and just try to take all the glory. Look, when you take that glory now, you're robbing your end time glory across the river there. 
That's right. Notice the apostolic way of dealing with this type of trouble. Being reviled, we bless. So being reviled, they didn't revile back. Being persecuted, we suffer it. Being defamed, we entreat. So we ask God to forgive those that defame us. Now that is to ruin your name, to ruin your character, to ruin what you are. But these are real Holy Ghost filled Christians. So what do they do? When people lie about them, run them down, and defame them, they entreat God for his mercy. Does anybody in Happy Valley believe this tonight? Well, good. Praise the Lord. Notice being defamed, we entreat. We are made as the filth of the world. We are made as the filth of the world the world. Now look, well, who are we talking about? We're not talking about a man that's run off of somebody else's wife. We're not talking about a man that went around begging the church for money or a man that was preaching false doctrine. We are talking about on a prophet of God, an apostle to the Gentiles, a man who was born again, filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm not sure that I could even say enough great things about this man tonight. And yet he was counted as filth. Filth of scouring. Filth of the world. Some of the lowest, debased people that would have been upon the earth. This same word was used for when you swept your house. When you would sweep the dirt and the mud and the manure off of your shoes. And you swept it out in the street. Paul said, that's what I'm likened to. Manure. Cow dung. And if anybody says a little something against us, we're ready to quit. We need the Holy Ghost. Oh my. Notice this. He says we are made as the fields of the world. So it was the stuff then that was swept out of their houses. So whatever trash, whatever stuff they would have brought in their houses. And Paul said that's the way that we are thought of. That's the way we are treated. And it wasn't just by the Romans. It was by his own countrymen. And then what's so sad was it got in among some of the churches that he helped establish. Can you imagine when Paul wrote to the Galatian church and he said at one time you would have pulled out your own eyes and gave them to me because they saw his eyes and how he suffered and how afflicted that he was and they loved him so much they would have pulled out their own eyes but he said now have I become your enemy because I've told you the truth at one time you received me as an angel of God even as Christ. Christ Jesus. It's amazing how people can turn on you, isn't it? Notice he said, we are made as the filth of the world and the off-scouring. The off-scouring of all things to this day. So everything that you would look upon with disdain and contempt, vile, worthless, oh my, contemptible, whatever would be the lowest type of thing you can imagine. Paul said that's the way we are treated. Being defamed, we entreat. We are made as the filth of the world. And the off-scouring, and the word off-scouring denotes that which is rubbed off by scouring.
young. So take a greasy pan or a pot or whatever you'd have to have and you take a scouring pad and you go to scouring that. Well, that stuff that you clean off, that was Paul. That stuff that you clean off and throw away and flush down the drain and you don't want nothing to do with it, that's the way Paul was. And yet we're talking about a man that was so highly favored in the eyes of God that he was carried up into the third heaven and heard things that wasn't even lawful for a man to utter. And saw things that he couldn't even come back and tell the people. It shows how out of sync humanity is with heaven. This man was so favored and so well thought of in the eyes of God that God allowed him to see some things that Brother Branham didn't even get to see. Come on now, message folks. Don't get quiet on me. Brother Branham said he was carried up to the first heaven and Paul was carried up to the third. Well, I'm sorry he didn't know he said that, but he did. Now, notice this. And yet the world looked at this man as trash, as dirt, as some type of filth from the barnyard. And yet Paul said, we're defamed and we entreat. We're cast out and we go on. Well, on this all, I'm quitting. If the Lord can't take care of me no better than this, at least when I was a Pharisee, I was able to act the part and dress the part. And now I am an ambassador for heaven and I'm half naked. I'm half starved. I'm thirsty. I've been in the deep. I've been out on the sea. I've been cast down. This great power of God, can't God keep me? Paul had a revelation about trials. Oh, we say we got a revelation about the thunders, about the seals, and this and that and other. Do we have revelation about tests and trials? Well, praise God. So Paul said, we're vile, we're worthless. Also this word here, I found this amazing in studying this. The term was also applied to vile and worthless men who were sacrificed or thrown into the sea in an expiatory offering, as it were, to purify the people. So this then, Paul said, we are disdained, we are thought, thought with the off-scouring, the worst of the world, and this was the type of people that they hauled on a ship. So whenever there's all kinds of trouble going on in the ship, some of these people were actually employed to haul them around. They were the lowest scum on the earth. So you know what you got whenever the sea got up? You got tossed overboard. Because they're going to sacrifice your worthless life. And Paul said, that's the way I am deemed. But can you imagine Imagine those saints of God when they read this and they thought, oh, Brother Paul, you're not that to us, brother. That's not the way we look at you. We thank God for you. We pray for you. And we appreciate it. You know what I'm saying? Look, the people of the world that hate Brother Branham and hate this message and they ridicule him and this and that. And whenever we think about it, we don't think he's the off-scouring of the fields of the world. The preachers and the message that preach the truth, we don't look at them as false prophets, do we? False apostles, we say, Thank God for the men of God that give their lives for the gospel and they study for us and pray for us and prepare for us. And yet the world out here says they're a bunch of idiots or crazy. They ain't got no sense. False prophets going to hell lost. Oh my, let them say what they want to say. If they call my brother Paul that, how can I expect everybody to love me? 
Notice 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 6. He says, and whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer, or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as ye are partakers of the sufferings, so shall you be also of the consolation. For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure above strength in so much that we despaired even of life. Can you imagine a prophet of God? He arrived by the gem at a spot that he really didn't want to live. The difficulty was so severe. The hardships. Every way the man turned, he said, I just despaired even of life. It was no longer worth fighting for. Now, wait a minute, friends. Where's all this modern Laodicean preaching that all you got to do is turn into God your want list? And if you want BMWs and Mercedes Benz and, you know, just all this sort of thing, and life is nothing but a big smile pack. And, you know, if you're having trouble, there's something wrong with you. No, that's the opposite. If you're not having trouble, there's something wrong with you. The real people of God are going to be hated, despised, rejected, tried, troubled, and so on. Absolutely. That's part of being a Christian. Can you imagine if Paul would be able to get on the Smiley Preacher's program and preach to the 90,000 down in Texas that have the man throwed out in 10 minutes, beginning with the pastor and his wife? Come on now, don't get quiet on me. Can you imagine him going on to 700 Club? They wouldn't be seven left, much less 700. My, they'd throw him off of every major television station. Come on, a lot of message churches would throw him out too because they want their ears tickled in the last day. They want a preacher to tell them how good they are and how sweet they are. I ain't supposed to lie to you. I'm, tell, I'm supposed to tell you you're good in Christ and you're good if you're saved, but if you ain't, you're going to hell. And even if you are saved, they ain't nothing good about your old flesh. They ain't nothing good about your family. They ain't good nothing good about your DNA. There's only one good thing about any of us and that's the mercy of God I ain't too afraid of looking up my family tree and finding monkeys as a matter of fact what I find in my family tree they probably ate monkeys if the truth of it was known and whatever else they could get their hands on. Bootleggers and liars and drunks and whoremongers. And oh, I know all of you come from the Queen Isabel and King Ferdinand, didn't you? All y'all got royal blood in your veins. Baloney. You're as low down and sorry as the Reagans and Schultz and everything else. Come on, you might as well say amen. Some of y'all think you cause you're rich and got a nice place to live and you look down your nose on everybody else. What difference does it make what kind of house you live in or what kind of clothes you wear or shoes you wear? You ain't a bit better than the poorest person in the house of God. You ain't a bit better than... Come on now, somebody preach with me tonight. There's only one thing that makes us holy. Look at this man. We're talking about a man that walked where very few mortals ever walked. Yet treated worse than a dog. Treated worse than an animal. And we stick our nose up in the air like we're something. Woo. 
sweet Jesus. Paul looks at their situation. And Brother Terry finally reaches the spot to where it looks like. This is it. This is it. It can't, it can't, it can't, it can't go no farther. This is it. I'm finished. I'm finished. It, it, it's over. I know some of y'all couldn't start your car, come to church, and you thought that. You come into church and somebody had your seat and you thought, oh God, this is it. That's Laodicean's trials. The women lose one of their fake eyebrows and they're so depressed they can't go to church, you know, their, their favorite makeup and Mary Kay and all this and that and the other. But can you imagine a man like this that had been through so much, Brother Dow, what was it? What was it? It must have been so severe. It must have been the very pangs of death. And Paul feels, I, I'm feeling death on me. I'll never get out of this one. But he did. So it must have been the mercy of God instead of his face. Praise God, because he said, I even despaired of life. Y'all ever been there when you thought, boy, this is the end? And somehow you come out on the other side and you say, how did I do that? <laughs> you didn't do it. You thought you wasn't even going to make it, but it was God reached down and got a hold of you and pulled you beyond your own ability. Oh my, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 9. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves. Don't you understand why God allows us sometimes to get so low? It's so that we will absolutely lose that tie to ourselves. We're still so tied to ourselves, even after we're born again. And we think we've got so much faith and we've got this and this and this. And sometimes God has to bring us down so low and it looks like we're only one breath away. And that one breath away is the final serving. We say, God, I can't do it no more. I don't have the ability to do it, God. I can't do it. And God said, I've been waiting all your life to hear you say that. But we had the sentence of death. What is it about us that we have to go this low? Why are we this way? You see, this is not God wanting to deal with us. It's because of our stubbornness, our hard-headedness, our own deafishness, our Reaganishness. Our Parkernishness and your Ishnish and Nishish. Come on, y'all might as well say amen. If you can't say that, say Ishnish. But we have the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raises the dead. Praise be to God. God didn't just raise you from the dead when you got the Holy Ghost. There's been a few times he's had to raise me since I got the Holy Ghost. 
because I thought I was alone. I mean, how in the world are you ever going to live out of this? And God will do it that way to bring us to a spot and think, Lord, this is the end. And y'all ever been there? So we felt like, I don't know what to do. I mean, somebody betrays you, somebody lets you down, and you I ain't got no confidence in nobody. I can't, you can't trust nobody no more. And then God gets you to that spot and you break over and say, yes, Lord, your word's still true. You've got people that's true. You've got ministers that's true. Yes, Lord. But it seems like you're at the spot. You're ready to lose absolutely everything. And one breath away. And God catches you and raises you from the dead. God catches you right in the middle of that trial and raises you from the death of that trial. Notice this in three kinds of believers. Brother Random says sometimes believers are put to the test. Not sometimes, but every time. For every son that cometh to God must be chastened, tried, and child trained. Remember the trials, the dusty roads, the hot sun of persecution. But the loyalty of your heart beats that material till she's ready to go into the mold. The loyalty of your heart beats that material until she's ready to go into the mold. God's children is made up correctly on his word. For they are living examples. See the word living through them. The trial comes to shake you. To put you to the very bottom. To see where you'll stand. Now friends, Laodicean Christians cannot take this type of test. To be honest, it's a marvel to me how they will come through the tribulation period under the sixth seal. It's a different, it's a different anointing, a different release somehow than this. This destroys this annihilates everything but elect. It makes no sense to put foolish virgin through this type of situation. They cannot handle it. They're not gold. The trial comes to shake you. Why would God spend years of your life making you? And then shake you to the very bottom. The very bottom. To see where you'll stand. They're tested. Try every son that come to God. Job went through the trials and the tests. His children taken. Everything else taken. The church members come. Accused him of being a secret sinner. And tried to say everything against him. But he wouldn't listen to any of it. He knew it met God's requirement. He knew there was no need of Satan trying to tempt him. He knew it was the devil. And as long as Satan can make him believe that his sickness was God doing it, he had Job whipped. Now that same principle applies to me and you. But when Job once struck that revelation... That it was not God. He was only going through a 
his trials to make him something. It wasn't God doing it. It was Satan doing it. What's he trying to do? Tell you God don't love you. Well, how come this is going? You're going through that. Other people ain't going through it. How come others is blessed financially? You struggle. Others go up and get prayed for and they turn in a testimony on the weekend how they got healed and look at you. You struggle with this and struggle with that and struggle with something else. Notice he said the same thing today. He'll try to tell you these trials and things. Is your God trying to put punishment upon you? It isn't so. No, sir. It's Satan doing that. And God permitting it. There's a difference. It's Satan doing it, but God is allowing it for what reason? To temper you. To temper you. To make you see if you're tied to this earth by the earth's cares or whether your treasures is in heaven. Oh, hallelujah. For wherever your treasure is, there will you also. That's right. Your heart is where your treasures are. What does it help you to see? It helps you to realize, oh God, my natural body, my health, my home, whatever more. All of this one day will be gone like that. Notice this Paul goes on to say in verse 4. But in all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God. In much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses. Oh my. Well, I left out the BMWs and the Mercedes and the Cadillacs. The golf courses and all this and that and the other. What will happen to all these modern day blessings? These are blessings. Come on, saints, you understand? This is blessings. Show me one scripture or one speck of history. A false prophet in the first, second, or third century is ever thrown in jail. Do you understand? This is one way that they identified true men of God. Not just because they cast out devils and heal the sick and because they stayed with the word, but they watched to see their life. And see if they were hated like Jesus was. Did demons love them or hate them? I'll tell you one thing. If some preachers in this modern day died, Satan would weep for a week. Demons out of hell would cry so much their eyes would be swole shut. Preachers are some of the best false prophets the devil's ever had. Come on, children. Damning more souls to hell than ever prostitute, ever fifth of whiskey. That's right. But boy, I'll tell you one thing. The devil can't stand for a Holy Ghost filled man of God. A preacher, not only a preacher, but a son or daughter of God filled with the Holy Ghost. Walking a life full of the word. And God allows you to be tested. The devil pours it on you. And the devil smiling, looking at you and saying, boy, I've got him this time. And you're just about to the spot. You're about to agree with him. And all of a sudden you say, Lord, I can't take another day of this. I can't take another day, God, if you don't help me. I don't know what I'm going to do. And all of a sudden, something supernatural he comes in, turns you upside down. Amen. Every way, my, my, you look around and say, Lord, how in the world can I stop what I didn't start? How in the world can I turn back? I ain't got nothing to turn back to. There's only one way for me and that's up. In afflictions, necessities, want of food, drink, 
raiment. And he ain't crying because his chariot didn't have power windows. The man's wanting something to eat. Thirsty, hungry, naked. Mama. In distresses, necessities of bad minds. Tore up spirit. All these words that he uses, our English doesn't do it. Doesn't believe me. Looking at the Greek words, it doesn't do it justice. The word here denotes a straightness of place. Want of room. Distress. Anguish. Circumstances. Beyond control. Notice this 2 Corinthians 6, 5. In stripes. Imprisonments. In tumults. In labors. In watchings. In fastings. Lord Jesus. Three times beaten with rods. Scourge of the Jews. Forty stripes, save one. For what? Running off of somebody else's wife? Preaching the word of God. Praise be to God. Imprisonments. He was in prison in Philippi, Acts 16, 24. In Jerusalem, Acts 22, 24. Caesarea, 24, 23. In Rome, Acts 28, 16. In tumults. It seemed as if though there was no avenue of this man's life that was left untouched without trouble. Oh my. Think of it, friends. Maybe many of you, your battle is sickness, your health. But thank God you go through something and then God gives you a little bit of reprieve from it. And you get to feeling a little bit better. And enjoy it. You know, it used to be whenever we first got saved and boy, them mountaintops, my goodness, is Mount Everest forever. Oh my goodness, you get forever, give up in mountains and you get up on the top of them and you're up there for days and weeks and months and seem like it wasn't ever going to end and then whoo, back down the valley and back up again anymore. It's whoo, you say, oh, I didn't miss it, did I? Oh no. That was my mouth. No, no, God, it'll be six months before I get another one. But can you imagine a man like this? You see, we could not handle this. Oh, if people could understand they want to be a preacher, they want to be a big this and that and the other, this is why people should never try to reach beyond what God has called them to be. Can you imagine a person winding up wanting to be something like this and going under some of the stuff they're going, this is why preachers go crazy. They've moved into a spot they don't belong. If God calls you for a place, God equips you. Not only to deal with preaching and so on and so on, but give you the sanity and broad shoulders to deal with all the difficulty that comes with the position. Tumults. Tumults. Which is one uproar after another. Well, what about that scripture about peace? Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. What about joy? What about all these scriptures of mama? The Greek word there, tumult, denotes instability, disorder, commotion. Wow. Commotion. 
commotion, various tumults and commotions. And some of y'all thought I was a troublemaker. Do you say commotion or promotion? <laughs> in labors, in watchings, in fastings. Part of it, brother, there ain't no doubt voluntary. Part of it wasn't. You just didn't have food or have the money to buy any. I thought David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor received begging bread. Don't you think the devil don't know the word? Don't you think he don't know how to take that word? Paul, look at you. You're a fool. You was a Pharisee. You was wealthy. Your daddy was a rich man. And when you become a Christian, he wrote you out of his will. You are as dead to him. Look at you now. You're Jesus. What you say is so great and so wonderful. You can't even keep clothes on your back. Can't you see why, friends, people like this, the world is not worthy of them. The world is not worthy of such people. Notice in verse 6, by pureness, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned. 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three. 23, notice this, he says, Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors, more abundant. In taking journeys that were so fatiguing to my body, preaching the gospel constantly, my throat was sore, my eyes were swollen, I was hungry, I was thirsty. You would have even been ashamed to see the garments that I had on. But I kept right on going. In labors more abundant, he said, in stripes above measure. In prisons more frequent. Clement of Rome says historically that Paul was actually thrown in prison seven times. And yet he says, in deaths oft. Look at what a thing for a man to say. Frequently, I was right in the very danger of death. It's like I could see the door. He's, he's, he's acting as if though he died several times. I pray God helps me and you to quit complaining. I need help, Lord. so exposed to death and the pain of death was on me oft so many times for the cause of Christ 2 Corinthians eleven twenty four of the Jews five times received our 40 stripes save one thrice was I beaten with rods once was I stoned Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day have I been in the deep. You imagine floating on a mast pole or the side of a boat? Up and down and up and down. 
Nothing to eat. Nothing to drink but salt water which will kill you. You imagine that devil right there, Brother Frank. Hey, what about them scriptures about the angels? They'll come and watch over you, protect you, lift you up. I thought the angels of God encamped about those that love him and fear him. Where does that put you? Ah, and you're the great apostle, are you? Boy, you're really great. You're really important to heaven. In so much that heaven has left you out here a day and a night. He's forgot about you, Paul. Why don't you admit it? Oh my. In journeyings, often. In perils of waters, right when you all thought I was done. In perils of waters, floods, shipwrecks. Notice, in perils of waters, and perils. You imagine his support, they wind up giving him a little something. They laughed at him. In perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils of the city. Lord, was there no place? Was there no place this man could go? Was that difficulty? Amen. Think about it. Right. by the heathen, and perils in the city, and perils in the wilderness, and perils in the sea, and perils among false brethren. Praise God. And yet. He was able by the grace of God to not just survive and hang on, but able, praise God. Look at verse 27. In weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Oh, Jesus. Thank you, Paul, for sharing this. How is it that we can be benefited, benefited by reading of another man's sorrow? You know what? No matter what you're going through, you can look, as I'm sitting here looking tonight to somebody else asking the other day how they're doing a certain situation. And I say, well, Brother Donnie, you can always look over your shoulder and find somebody that's worse shaped than you are. Well, I don't think we have to look over our shoulder now. I think we can look right here and find out that, you know, God gave a man like this. Now, notice, as I said, because of the office and the position that he's in, most of us will never have to go through what he went through. Then he says in verse 28, besides those things, okay, if that ain't enough. Beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. (laughs) 
I know, friends, some of the message folks, only the first thing they pretty much figure is going to be in heaven is Brother Branham. To them, that's, the, that's what heaven's all about. Well, I hate to differ with you, but heaven ain't all about Brother Branham. Amen. Brother Branham will be there, and Brother Branham will have a great reward. But this man right here is also going to have a great reward. As a matter of fact, you don't find Brother Branham's name in the foundations. You find the names of the 12 apostles. So apparently, they must mean something quite special to the Lord Jesus. So don't ridicule these men. They rank pretty high in heaven. Come on now, message folks. Besides those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of the church, thank you, you can imagine, as he would meet brethren along the west house of saints. And I said, I hate to tell you, buddy, I, I hate to tell you so bad, but... They got adultery in the Corinthian church. They got, they got gifts all over everywhere. Some of the women's trying to preach. He said, Lord, have mercy. Not in my church. Yes, in your church, Paul. They're trying to, women's trying to get up and preach. Oh, God. Oh, Lord. Boy, you can imagine after all that he went through. And then this person telling this and this person telling that. You know how people are. Most people tend to be negative anyway. There might have been 9,700 good things they could say, but they pick out the 333 things that ain't so good. And that's the only thing they tell you. So all that he'd meet, unload on him and tell him this. Well, how about the church in Philippi? Oh, the church in Galatia. Oh, you haven't heard? They don't think you're a prophet no more. What? They don't think I'm a prophet? No, no, the Somebody come in there and bewitch them. They come in there, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, oh, all this I went through for the people of God? You mean people's falling away? People are turning away. I some people, the persecution, it's actually discouraging them. Some of them's leaving right and left, Paul. Uh, this man got killed and his whole family quit serving God. And this man here, he got his head cut off. And oh, no, oh, no. I wonder if we might find him like Bank Woods walked into Brother Random's house with his head in his hand, something like this, crying. Sister Media said, take him fishing. Do something with him. He said, what's the matter with him? He said, you don't think he's called to preach. Oh, you see the discernment lines. You see him challenging the devil. But there was another side Praise the Lord, saints. All the cares of the churches. But notice this was spoke about him before his conversion to Ananias, Acts 9, 13. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard of by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. Ananias had heard all the negative things about Paul, but Jesus is going to tell him some positive things. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me. Isn't this amazing? Paul hadn't even agreed to it yet. And Jesus didn't say, now if he wants to, I'm going to choose him. But if he don't want to, of course, now I'll choose somebody else to take his place. This is before Paul even had a right to choose. Praise God. He is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. 
And when God tells a man this, it's going to be paramount. As a matter of fact, you don't find him telling any of the rest of the individual apostles any such thing. Notice Acts 20, 22. And now behold, I go bound in the spirit into Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. Save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But I love this next verse. But none of these things move me. Neither count I, amen, my life dear unto myself so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Amen. So how would it make you feel? You've got a journey planned to, you know, wherever it would be. And the Holy Ghost moves on this brother and says, Thus saith the Lord, you go down to such and such and so and so, this is going to happen. You walk outside, the Holy Ghost moves on somebody else that didn't even hear this and say, Thus saith the Lord, so and so and so and so is going to happen. He said, Praise God, don't bother me. You're lying. Now you imagine as a man that Paul filed over these things, Lord, is this you telling me not to go? Lord, I, help me here, help me, Lord. I, now, I already felt in my heart that I should go, but do you not want me to go? Now, it, it ain't the same thing. It's not the same thing as you having doubts in your mind as it is somebody saying, thus saith the Holy Ghost. I hope you can understand me. This is the fine line of trying that only very few will ever walk. God will send people so anointed and they may even speak it in the name of the Lord but contrary to what God has told you to do. Just to see what you'll do. Well, I won't go long on that. It will be called a 911 with a whole bunch of ambulances. Some of y'all got that look on your face. Notice now Romans 5 2. By whom also we have access by faith into his grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we. Oh my God. We glory in tribulations. Knowing that tribulation worketh patience. Oh, praise God. So here, now hopefully God will help us for a few minutes, that we need to understand that as the saints of God, when we're walking in the will of God, there is glory in suffering. Hardly no amens. Hardly no even head nods now. I mean, we're down low when we get below head nods. My, my. Notice in Matthew 5.10. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. How many of y'all feel blessed when you're persecuted? 
See, most of us don't, do we? Why, Brother Jim, don't we? We need an understanding of this. Now, we can scream and holler and shout about the thunders and the seals and all that that you want to. But look for them. We're talking about where the rubber meets the road. Okay? Which thunder do you use whenever you've really been tested by the devil? If your brothers have been tested by women and, and all this and other, which thunder do you use? Which seal do you use to back up the devil? Come on, be honest. You don't use none of them. Jesus didn't. When the devil come to him, Jesus didn't pull out this great deep something other about the universe and the stars, but he pulled out something so simple, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So Jesus said, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness. sake." Now remember, this is not for your own mistakes, your own faults, your own ignorance, my ignorance, so on and so on. But it's for righteousness sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake you are blessed but I have to be honest it don't feel like I'm blessed it don't feel like I'm being blessed now I'm just going to be honest with you tonight okay I need more help with these scriptures. If you're looking for a perfect pastor, well, you're at the wrong place. And uh, yeah, most of y'all wouldn't fit with a perfect pastor, no way, because it preach way over the top of your head. You don't live there. And I'll go ahead and tell you there ain't none know how. So. so blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall, but yet we would say, oh, I was so blessed today. I was at Walmart and I found a $20 bill in the parking lot. It was such a blessing. Oh, so I got a check in the mail. I was so blessed. Now, that can be a blessing. But why is it that we consider money so much the blessings? And then what if somebody run you down and I mean just told terrible, terrible things on you and you around telling everybody, praise be to God, I was so blessed today. Somebody called me a liar, a whoremonger. They call me a devil. They call me... I've been so blessed. Hallelujah. I'm about to have a spell right now. Glory to God. And they just kind of look at you and say, see you around. Come on. 911, please. I'd like to report a brother in our church. He's lost his mind. That's about what would be considered. Oh, no. Oh no, Jesus didn't say this. Rejoice and be exceeding glad when people revile you, persecute you, falsely accuse you. For great is your reward in heaven. Praise be to God. Can't you see why an apostolic view they not only looked at how many people they laid their hands on. They not only looked at, oh, you know, this hymn says, say what the prophet said, say what the prophet said, say what the prophet said. The Pharisees could say a lot of what the prophet said. But they wasn't persecuted for the name of the Lord Jesus. And the apostles were beat 
And they gathered back together with the saints of God and they began to pray and the scripture said the Holy Ghost come back in and filled them all again and they rejoiced that they were counted worthy to be beaten for the name of the Lord Jesus. They were fulfilling what Jesus said. Rejoice when this happens to you. But we get so sad and so down. Why? This has not been made as real to us as it was our brothers. Help me, Lord Jesus. Acts chapter 5, verse 41. And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name Romans 5 3 not only so but we glory in tribulation also knowing that tribulation worketh patience oh my produces the effect it's amazing it produces the effect on a child of God that renders the outcropping or the outworking of this produces something that enhances your patience, your walk with God. So it works, patience. Tribulation works, patience. Patience, experience. Experience, hope. And hope make us not ashamed because the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. I'm reading about a fully equipped, rapture-ready child of God. Mm. Patience. A calm temper which suffers evil without murmuring. I'll go this way, y'all go that way. A calm temper which suffers evils without murmuring or discontent. Praise God. Our English word tribulation comes from a Latin word tribulum. In Paul's day a tribulum was a heavy piece of timber with spikes in it. Used. Ah, here we go. For threshing the grain. The tribulum was drawn over the grain and it separated the wheat from the chaff. Praise be to God. So the tribulum then is raked over and over and over and somehow it breaks the, the chaff, the flesh, away from the soul. The wheat. Imagine then the word tribulation is where this come from. The tribulum. So what is a tribulation? Somebody's got their tribulum on your back of them. And it ain't feeling too good of them. Come on now. Oh my. If it could be tender caresses so gently. But can you imagine trying to separate the wheat from the chaff. And doing it. You're not going to a massage parlor. This is a threshing floor. Praise God. And you take that old tribulum and you rake it. You got to get rough with it every now and then. And you got to smack around a little bit, you know, and a little bit 
bit of tribulation here and a little bit of affliction there and a little bit of trouble there and the next thing you know you got the wheat in one pile and you got the chaff in another through what? tribulation praise God let's stand together praise the Lord Jesus praise the Lord Jesus thank you Lord so the effect what does tribulation do then it produces the desired effect tribulation worketh patience patience experience the Greek word there is also used for proof a token a manifest token a proof so experience proof Amen. That you are what? Heaven worthy. Seeing that it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. That ye, the next verse, may walk worthy of the kingdom of God. Praise God. Oh, you mean I'm going to get in by what I go through? You get in by the grace of God. But the character we have through trials and tests proves our nature is heavenly. Why? The king came that way. When he come to the earth, he was tried, he was tested, he was tempted, and was without sin. Oh, don't you appreciate him, saints? Now, this is apostolic. I know it's not apostolic quite in the way we want it. We'd rather talk about casting out devils and having dreams and speaking visions and this and that and other. That's all apostolic too. Is it? It's apostolic too. But this is mentioned many more times than them speaking in tongues in the book of Acts. Check it out and see. Afflictions, troubles, the difficulties they went through was all part of making a people that will stand at the last day on the white throne judgment. You imagine when these people will walk before Paul and there he will stand in the box next to the Lord Jesus and they'll look at him. Those who trouble you in this life, those who made it hard on you, oh my Lord, I would not want to be in their shoes for nothing in this world. Seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. Friends, don't make it hard on God's children. Don't make it hard on God's saints. You will pay the price. Praise the Lord. Can we bow our heads? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Heavenly Father, we desire apostolic times what do we think of most of us when we say that? More healings, more miracles. It's sad to say, but there's an element in our rank that when you think about apostolic times, that's instantly what their mind goes to. More miracles, more signs, more wonders. And we believe in all that. But yet, Father, we know that is not the complete apostolic message. There's difficulty, there's shame, there's reproach. Lord, help us. 
Oh, if you was handing out gifts of miracles tonight in this building, if you was handing out gifts for those that would be able to travel overseas and speak, no doubt some of these young men might be desirous to do that. And they might, well, I, I, I would consider that. Maybe even some of the olders would say, well, I, I, I might consider doing that. But if you would pass among us tonight and say, how many wants to be hated for my name? How many is willing for your family to cast you out, turn you aside? Are you willing to have stories fabricated about you, your name to be ruined? Even some message people will think you're crazy. How many of us would say, Lord, I'll do it. Or if you're handing out the ability to see visions and dreams and be able to prophesy. My, those three vocal gifts of Corinthians. So many want that. No wonder it's because everybody knows them. They're operated out where people can be able to hear about it and see it and it's written down and all of that. But how many is willing to be made filth and off-scouring? Help us, Lord Jesus. Forgive us for our old Laodicean hangover stuff, Lord, that still wants to attach itself to us. Forgive us, Father. When you come to this earth, you were homeless. Had one woven robe. When you became a man, you didn't have a whole bunch of suitcases with guys packing around to change from one suit to another. Had to have a whole entourage just to carry your clothes. But one garment. The creator of the universe. Oh, help us, Father. And we know, Lord, there's people that you can bless with riches. It's a good thing. If everybody in the message was poor, who would help propagate it? Who would help get it out? Who would pay the bills? Who would be able to do these things? But whether rich or poor, help us, Father, to realize whatever we have are gifts from you. You've endowed some people with the ability to make money. They can run businesses and do this and that and the other. But may they never get puffed up in their head and feel like it's because of them. Help them to always give thanks to you, Lord. Then, Lord, I pray, help us as preachers. Oh, God, that we don't get our head all puffed up and think we're something because we preach something or another. Help us to realize if we ever get anything, Lord Jesus from heaven, it's not because of we're so gifted and we're so great. It's because of your greatness and your love to your people. Help us, dear God. So many of the kingdom preachers in this message, they do anything for people. They do anything for followers. They'll proselyte. They'll do everything, Lord, to try to get followers, to try to get a big name, to get more ties and get this and that and the other. But I wonder if he was handing out hatred amongst the preachers. How many would say, Lord, I'll do it. If you'd say, I need some men of God that will be hated, despised, and rejected. I need some men of God that will stand up for me and I'm going to tell you before it happens, even in your own ranks, you will be misunderstood. 
ridiculed and laughed at. How many of our great men, as we call them, would raise their hands and say, I will, Lord. Even young preachers starting out, they can't even go hardly have one meeting somewhere till they make a big public deal about it and brag about it and brag about it and brag about it. And then we wonder why we don't get off the ground. If they start out with that kind of attitude, how will you ever use them, Lord? Help us, Father. Help us to humble ourselves, Lord. I read it many years ago, Lord, and every time I read it, it always staggers me. As your prophet said, God has a hard time trying to find a man that the more he uses him, the littler he'll get. He said, but most men, when God goes to using them, they want to become a God or an angel before the people. But if God can find a man that the more he uses him, the littler he gets. And the more he uses him, the littler he gets. Because he said, you've got to become little in your own eyes. And we've got to remain little in our own eyes. Help us, Lord. Praise God. Anybody in here tonight willing to be humbled, small, little? If God needs somebody here in Happy Valley that can wake up in the, in the morning, 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, 4 o'clock, maybe I'm going through a real difficult time. Now, nobody may not know it now. You may not get no credit. You may not get no honor and your, man, your name may not be called, but would anybody be willing to say, God, wake me up any hour of the morning, Lord? Brother Donnie needs prayer. Brother Darrell needs prayer. Anybody in the church needs it, Lord? I'll do it. Anybody? Anybody willing to be reproached for the cause of Christ? Now what if God wants to hand out millionaire status tonight? God says, I want to give 50 people right now tonight in Happy Valley millionaire status. Now some of y'all was going to act humble and not raise your hand. But in your heart, I'm wondering how many of it would, would jump at it. Jump at it. Oh, my friends. May God help us. Friends, do you want to be like him? This is the true church of the living God. Look, I know this ain't deep. This ain't made a shout. But believe it or not, what I preach tonight is rapture quality. This is bride stuff I'm talking about. Now, don't, don't, don't misunderstand me. But this is why a lot of so-called message people will miss the rapture. Because they don't even know what it's all about. This is what it's about. The character of the king. The character of the king in his wife. She can be hated, despised, rejected, even brought so low that she despairs of death and feels like that he himself has turned his back on her. But she's so faithful, she perseveres right on. Make me that kind of a person, Lord. Brother Jack just brought this prayer request up. Pray for Sister Rachel Hamlin. She's headed to the ER with some chest pains. Let's just pray for our sister right now, can we? Lord Jesus, we call upon your name right now, Father, on behalf of our sister Rachel Hamlin. Lord, you see this need in her body. 
You see, Father, the cause of these chest pains. May the presence of God go with her right now in that vehicle. No doubt our brother George taking her father in a, in a haste, in a hurry. Lord, to try to get her there. May the presence of the Lord Jesus move right now in their automobile, their truck, whatever they're driving. May the angels of God be with our sister, Father. May there be no evil that will come of this, Lord. We believe what we've heard preached here tonight, Lord. We're not going to be exempt from suffering. Our bodies do not have eternal life now. We're going to be subject to all these things. But we believe you are our healer. Father God, move for our sister tonight, we pray. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Well, thank the Lord, thank the Lord. Ain't it been good to be in the house of the Lord? Praise the Lord Jesus. God bless you. Oh, I so enjoy preaching the Word of God. So enjoy being together with God's people. Come back this weekend, Lord willing. We'll be having a special, 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 special visitor. He was here tonight. It was the Lord Jesus. And then we'll also be having a special, special speaker. I was going to tell y'all, but it's, it's still so mysterious. I don't know if I want, want to or not. Some of the young people, I mean, my granddaughter and a couple other sisters come to my house on Sunday trying to inquire of who in the world this was. That was going to come. I've had, I've enjoyed this so much this week. Even some of the adults went straight to Brother Jim after church and said, Who, who's coming? So he texted me and said, who's coming? I said, tell them it's a mystery. He said, I'll tell them. <laughs> oh, my, my, we ought to come that way no matter who it is. You know, we come with expectation in our hearts. Amen. God bless you. Hey, let's sing something together. God bless you, saints. Turn and shake hands with somebody. Greet them in the name of the Lord. Amen. Brother Wayne Lawson's got a special meeting going on down in Gatlinburg this weekend. I think some of the saints are going down there, so I want to remember that, that meeting that the Lord will just be with them and bless them with His presence. But we'll be here having church this weekend. Brother Homer Longoria will be speaking for us. So there you go. There you go. Hallelujah. So when he walks out of that door, y'all will be laughing. Look at him. He'll be looking at you. What in the world's the matter with you? God bless you, saints. Love you so much. Sing something for us, Harry. Praise the Lord. Give myself away. Yes, Lord Jesus. Oh, yes, Lord. Help us, Father. Give myself away. What for? So you can use me. Is in.
Give myself away. 